Hello and welcome to the Elevate Music podcast. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode we're going to be talking about well-being. I'll be speaking to musician and songwriter Ayana Witter-Johnson and we'll also hear from musician's well-being PhD researcher Simone Willis. So to start, let's hear Ayana's story. I started learning piano at four and picking up the cello in secondary school around 12, 13 and then later finding my voice in my late teens and early 20s. I studied at Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance. I studied classical composition and then again classical composition at the Manhattan School of Music in New York. So during that time, I guess I just developed as a creative musician, as a writer, a composer. And when I came back from New York, I recorded my first EP, Truthfully, followed by my second EP, Black Panther, after touring with Anushka Shankar in her Traces of You band. And recently, I've just released my debut album, Roadrunner. So could you tell me about what well-being means to you? Well-being for me is balance of elements in your life that mean that you feel good in yourself, you feel a sort of happy equilibrium. That's a really interesting way you described it because one way of describing well-being is a, a balance between the challenges you face and the resources that you use to overcome those challenges. Mm-hmm. Would you identify with that? Yes, because I feel like there's always a dance between like the highs and the lows in all areas of life, be it emotionally, physically. So it's just trying to keep yourself in that place that feels good generally and taking into account, you know, either end of the spectrum. I think my well-being is affected by what's happening at any one moment in time. There are times where I notice Um, My schedule's very busy, there's lots to think about and there's lots to do physically. So overall, I think I managed to balance my well-being and I feel healthy, I feel good. Um, But I do know that there are times that my well-being is tested based Mm -hmm. on, on what I have to do. My ideal day would be either going for a run first thing in the morning or doing a yoga session. I usually start the day with some form of physical activity to kind of wake me up and to get the energy going (laughs) and get the blood moving and then have something to eat, enjoy the process of sort of mindfully eating, um, just to sort of ease myself into whatever the to-do list throws up for the day. So just a bit of me time. I usually journal a little bit in the morning and have some affirmations of you know, what I want for the day, like inner peace, gratitude, something like that. And then usually the day just starts like whoosh. (laughs) Then there's loads of things to do. (laughs) And what do you do once that day starts and it all goes a bit crazy? How do you keep that sense of balance throughout the day? I take little moments like getting in an Uber. I take that ride as an opportunity to look outside, to breathe, to just feel my actual body because it's you can kind of go through the day without even realizing you have a body <laughs> so just to kind of ground myself in the present moment or just before doing an interview I might say a few words to myself like oh we're here now we're doing this we're not doing whatever's happening at dinner time or I do mental checks like looking at the space I'm in, appreciating something about the environment I'm in. So in between the busyness, I try to find moments of presence. It's quite a mindful practice, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And 
What would throw you off kilter? What kind of things affect your well-being, do you find? If I accept a call or read a message that's totally unrelated to what's happening in the present and it has some kind of urgency that's to do with the other person's schedule or the other person's agenda, yes. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I have to deal with this now. So being aware of not receiving messages at particular times where that might push you into a different headspace. I'm really curious... Where did you learn all these techniques? I think it stems from the relationship I have with my mum. She's very health conscious and mindful. We've got quite a small age gap, so I think we've always grown up as good friends. And her personal development journey has kind of been my personal development journey. And the books that she read while I was growing up, she would speak to me about. So I think the seed of being aware of oneself started in childhood from from her. And so you've obviously had some great training at Trinity Love and Conservatoire mm. and in Manhattan. Did you find that they equipped you with any sort of tools and techniques to deal with your health and well-being as a musician? No is the short answer to that. I think Trinity did well in thinking about you as a musician in the broader sense, other things you may do in the music industry, practical things like looking after your finances, etc. I don't think at that particular time wellness was on the agenda. It may be now. Mm. It may be now, but at that time, I don't remember it being a thing. Could you tell me how your well-being is affected by touring? Touring is a really intense experience, depending on where you go and how grueling the travel experience is. For the most part, I'm on my own when I travel up and down the country but when I go abroad or when I'm with the band or depending on on where I'm going I'll have someone else with me and it's navigating someone else in your space as well I don't like to talk too much before gigs I don't like to expend too much energy so trying to find the balance of not seeming disengaged or unfriendly but actually just wanting to stay in the zone and get in the zone and then post the gig I'm happy to be social and party. And I usually have a surge of energy after a show, which is a shame if I'm by myself, because then I just go back to the hotel room and you're like, oh, I've got no one to party with or to like share my joy with. I'll just go to bed (laughs) (laughs) and then get up the next day and then do another show. So that can be a little bit lonely in those moments. But when there are other people there, then you can kind of share that with them. But that's when you really have to get as much sleep as you can and just remain grateful for the fact that you're doing something you like to do. And could you tell me a bit about how you get into the zone before you go on stage? Yes. Ultimately, I go into a meditative process. So even getting ready, putting on my makeup, doing my hair, they become sort of ritualistic practices, which quiet in my mind I'll listen to some music while I'm doing that and then I may lay down and be really still and just focus on my breath and just become really quiet and focused and meditative and you've obviously worked with some amazing musicians have you noticed any ways that they look after their well-being that might be different to you some people delegate small tasks to other people Lots of delegation, getting other people to maybe even just pick up some lunch for them or carry bags for them, take care of tasks that kind of invade your mental space and when you want to be focused on performing. 
So um, delegating. It's important to keep people around you that make you feel good. I'd love to ask you some questions from a well-being model. This one's called PERMA and it's very much based in a positive psychology basis. Mm. So to start with, may I ask how often do you feel positive in your life? I feel positive, I would say every day. Some days I'm aware when I have blue days and I'll say to myself, it's okay to feel like this. Allow yourself to feel how you feel. But I guess the undertone is because at some point I do want to feel better I do want to feel so I can positively frame negative feelings and it's interesting because I think when you said about your morning routine you're kind of setting yourself up to feel positive every day yes by the things that you do yes how often do you feel completely immersed in your work I feel like it's a 24-7 lifestyle it doesn't ever feel like I'm not working I do enjoy music Aside from being a musician, I love listening to music. But inevitably, somehow, I'm getting things from it that feel like inspiration or it, it still works on some sort of work level as well as enjoyment level. Mm. Um, so I'm always working. And so from a well-being point of view, we see a difference between being fully engaged in activity mm. so that other thought doesn't come in. Right, yeah. But emails, for example, pinging between emails wouldn't be that. So I guess maybe, is that when you're doing music? Do you feel fully immersed in the activity when you're actually playing? The most fully immersed I feel with regards to music is on stage performing. I would say I'm completely immersed then. There are elements of my practice schedule that I feel completely immersed in and possibly when I'm writing, songwriting, there are aspects and elements of that that feel completely immersive. So the actual music making is the most immersive space. And moving on from the music making, I'd be interested to know, where do you find joy in your life? I find joy on stage in front of an audience performing. I find joy when I'm dancing. Do you dance as part of your set? I do sometimes. It's a growing element of the set. I've danced in some of my videos. I tend to dance much like the teenage version of me, sort of 90s R&B music, really, and going out. But I'm quite happy having a dance party in my room. So <laughs> I dance when I'm happy, like I do a kind of happy dance that happens spontaneously. And I like to go to dance classes. So a mixture of dance styles. <laughs> mm. And apart from music and dance, are there any other areas where you feel find that? Yes, um, learning French. Learning French is one of my very happy activities and things to do. It's just been this long-standing passion since secondary school to speak French. So when I'm speaking French or learning something or watching something in French, I'm generally in a very happy place. And um, do you have good relationships with your friends and family? I do. They're not without challenges, but I think I cherish friendships and relationships with family and friends, and I do my best to nurture them. Do you find meaning through your work as a musician? Completely. I think what I do has a much deeper 
significance than me just enjoying um, entertaining people. I feel like the messages in the songs, the emotional experience of the live experience, what happens when I interact with people post my performances, the conversations that then happen, it feels like it's a spiritual experience and a healing one. I don't know if it's what happens when I get into a particular performance state, but I really feel like I'm so present that I'm channeling some kind of positive energy that transmits itself to particular people. And some songs really resonate with people and it unlocks a kind of emotional space for them and me. And it's just very vulnerable, actually. It's a very vulnerable and very open space. So I'm thankful for that. And I just, I listen when people have when things come up for people, I listen and we kind of exchange ideas and I learn and they learn and it's this sort of ongoing learning experience post the performance. So can you tell me a bit more about your relationships with your fans? I have quite a very personal one. I really enjoy meeting and catching up with fans post the shows. Very direct and there's usually hugs involved and photos and hand-holding and like really like strong eye contacts and just very emotional and a lot of my fans that come back they message me I message them I'm going to be here this is happening and they'll bring their friends and or I might give them gifts or dedicate songs to them in performances they become like an extended family. Does your relationship with fans play into that idea of meaning in your work? It levels the experience. It's less me on stage and the audience separate. It's like, oh no, we're all kind of friends and we're all gathered to have this particular experience and I happen to be conducting the vibration, but it's all a kind of shared experience for us. Amazing. And the final question in terms of the PERMA profile is, do you feel that you're making progress towards your goals and dreams? I do. There are times where it's hard to know on which path you're on. I know I'm always going in the direction of my dreams because I'm doing the things that are in that direction. But it's hard to know how close you are or how far you are or if this route then leads to another. But then your dreams are always changing at the same time. So maybe you've actually fulfilled a dream you may have had and you've already looked beyond that onto the next one. So you're continually moving towards a dream of a sort and it's changing and growing. But I definitely feel like I'm pointed in the right direction. I set goals, micro goals, like practice F-sharp natural minor this week in X number of keys. And then there are macro goals, like collaborate with Bjork. Do you have like a goal-setting journal? Do you write them down or are they things that are just in your head? I do want to be a little bit more organised with the goals in terms of scheduling them. Um, I'm just aware of what I want to be working on in the next X number of weeks or months. I don't think I've like pencilled out a year's worth of kind of micro, macro goals, but I might start doing that. Do you feel like having that sense of direction does help with your well-being overall? Yeah, I think even if it's in a small way, like memorise this bark suite or something, it's nice to know that you're making progress. I think as long as it's progress, you have a general sense of feeling like you're doing the right thing or on purpose. So the experiences you've had, you've had a relatively classical training and you perform in a variety of venues yeah. and for different other genres. 
when well-being was looked at in classical musicians, the well-being level was actually really surprisingly high. Mm. What do you think about the well-being level of music, pop musicians generally from your experience? Different genres, loosely speaking, have different cultures. I know sometimes when I've gone into a studio, an engineer will say, what would I like to drink? And I'm like, water or something. Like, oh, you don't want any alcohol in the studio or anything to smoke in the studio? <laughs> and it's those moments where you think, oh, okay, there are certain genres people might smoke as a kind of part of the culture in the studio or drink in, to get the vibe or to get a whatever. In recording sessions that I've had, where I've had string players come and record, you know, at one minute past five, that's overtime. The session is done. They're out. No one's smoking, hanging, drinking in the studio. <laughs> so I do think different genres have different expectations. Not that anyone has to buy into any of them. The classical world does seem less rock and roll at times. We've obviously heard quite a lot in the industry about the mental health aspect that a lot of pop musicians face. Mm. From a, a well-being point of view, the two things can coexist. You can have mental health challenges and actually experience quite high levels of well-being. Have you got any ideas about that with regards to pop musicians? Is there anything you've seen in terms of their well-being? What, what would be your take on it? I think there's a lot of mental health challenges. The kind of passion for the music or the drive or the determination to make it or put on a great show can often override your experiencing at any one time because you're focused, you're so focused on creating the best show, doing the best performance. You can kind of damage yourself in a way or not want to take a break or not want to look after yourself in the pursuit of delivering the best product. So I think that kind of passion and perseverance and drive can cause you to kind of neglect your health until it gets to a chronic point where you're not able to do that anymore mm -hmm. and then you start cancelling shows and having vocal operations and that kind of thing. So would you consider yourself healthy? I would say I'm healthy. There are lots of things that I do and don't eat. I guess my one vice is sugar I do have a sweet tooth. I do my best to manage it, but I don't do any of the rest. I don't do coffee or drugs or smoking or I don't do anything except sugar, really. <laughs> so I try not to overdo refined sugar as much as I can help it. But if I am in a slightly kind of bingy mood, I don't get too hard on myself about it because I'm fairly active I guess my system will flush it out <laughs> I run I practice yoga I sleep I really enjoy my sleep I've been referred to as a professional sleeper I sleep eight hours pretty much every day and if I don't get eight hours one day I've made up for it the next day with 10 hours or something <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who is starting out with regards to looking after their health and well-being i would say keep a journal keep a journal that you really feel is private and that no one's going to read it because i think you need to just be aware of your feelings and what you're experiencing and writing these things out and taking them out of your head can be really helpful so i would say journal as much or as little as you like but at the points at which there's a lot going on in your head definitely get it out and onto some paper or it could be just speaking your thoughts into your phone as a voice note but 
to externalize that so you can look back and see what's going on and rest find moments of stillness where you can slow down mental activity and finally can you tell me something that you love about your music career i love the performance aspect i love sharing my songs with a live audience i love talking to my audiences i love being open and vulnerable with them i love joking and laughing with them <laughs> and i love the process of creating something from nothing having an idea and it blossoming into a song into a recording and then people being able to take that and live with that and then reflect it back it's a really nice process but often it's funny you may have created a song but not really remember how it has happened like it's kind of happened through you you're like oh I wrote that did I I don't quite remember writing it but I feel like privileged to have been in the process of it This episode of the Elevate Music podcast is supported by Help Musicians, an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare and creative funding opportunities, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Now let's hear from Simone Willis. I'm a PhD researcher at Cardiff Metropolitan University and I'm looking at workplace stress and well-being in classical musicians. So that includes people who are working in the profession and also conservatoire music students. And then I'm also working as a systematic reviewer at Cardiff University. So can you tell me a little bit about what you found so far with regards to musicians and well-being? So far, I've conducted a review and the thing that I'm really interested in is the mixed nature of the research. There's a bit of conflict in some of the aspects. So, for instance, musicians are very passionate about what they do and that's sort of related to higher well-being. But equally, having that high level of identification with the work is a pressure, especially when things aren't going well, for instance, in times of unemployment. And that can be linked to lower well-being. So it swings and roundabouts, really. So in your research, what has surprised you most so far? I do think those conflicts are really surprising. So equally, touring might be one of the things which is a conflict. So you get all these positive experiences out of touring, you get to see new things, new experiences, but equally balancing that with your life at home, family and friends, that can be really difficult, especially if you're working in a solo context. You know, maintaining those relationships is difficult, especially with people outside of the industry. So it's really the conflicting nature of the experiences that musicians can have. So I think we talk a lot about well-being now in the world and in the workplace. And I think sometimes people don't really know exactly what well-being really is. What's your definition of it? What do you use as a definition? And and how do you assess people's well-being when you're looking at it from a research perspective? From the perspective that we've taken, we've looked at uh, two different types of well-being, really. So we've looked at hedonic well-being and eudaimonic well-being. In terms of hedonic well-being, that's sort of positive experiences. So that's about whether you have positive emotions or negative emotions and how satisfied you are with life. 
eudaimonic well-being, there's different aspects to that. So that's a little bit more holistic and it's about the individual flourishing in different areas of their life. So that might be whether they're doing things autonomously or whether they're engaging with things that bring them meaning. So it's just a slightly different slant on how well-being is considered within the research. So for the research I'm doing, I'm looking at both of those types of well-being and measuring them through surveys that I'm conducting with classical musicians. With the hedonic well-being, I'm looking at a measure which essentially asks how often do you experience these different types of emotions? So, for instance, how often do you feel engaged? And then similarly, how often do you experience these negative emotions? And then the other question which is asked is, how satisfied are you with your life in general? Because we're looking at the workplace, we're looking at how satisfied are you with your job? So in Ayana's interview, I asked her some questions relating to the PERMA profile. Is there much crossover between the two? I think there's quite a lot of crossover. So the PERMA profile includes aspects of both hedonic and eudaimonic well-being. So it includes positive emotions, which are similar to hedonic well-being, but also it looks at meaning, relationships, your accomplishments, and those are similar to eudaimonic well-being. So there's definitely crossover between those two. And I think that sort of harmonises the, the two areas of research in a way. So with that in mind, are you able to comment on Ayana's responses? I heard that she talked a lot about the meaning that she derived from her work as a musician and how that helps her to connect with people. And I think that's a really important part of well-being, especially for a musician. Lots of musicians do things because it means something to them, and that's a really important part of the work. I think being engaged with what we do, again, as a musician, you're so engaged, you're so invested with the work that you do. That's another really important aspect. I think those are two of the things that I really picked up on. When we're talking about the PERMA profile, something that I've always thought was a bit of a limitation is it doesn't talk about the negative aspects and sort of mental health issues that someone might be or challenges that they might be experiencing. I know there is research out there that suggests that we can still flourish from a well-being point of view in the presence of mental health challenges. Could you talk a little bit about that for me? Yeah, I think mental health covers such a broad range of issues. It's not limited to just things like anxiety and depression, which we might immediately think about, but think about phobias and obsessive compulsive disorders and you need a diagnosis for any of those but if you imagine that you had maybe a specific phobia agoraphobia fear of open spaces that doesn't mean that you wouldn't experience lots of positive emotions in other aspects of your life you might have very high life satisfaction still so those two things can exist at the same time and equally if you don't have lots of positive emotions you don't have very high life satisfaction that doesn't mean that you have a mental health problem like depression or anxiety that just means that maybe you don't have high well-being so I think the two can exist together. So if someone's listening and they want to find a sort of simple way to boost their well-being do you have any advice on that kind of thing? Yeah, I think getting to know yourself is really important. So knowing what works for you in different situations, practicing things like self-acceptance, being kind to yourself, you know, really taking the time to appreciate what you've already done. And other things you might do are just think about your own, you know, your own standards, autonomy. When you do things, evaluate things by your own standards. I think as musicians, we can compare ourselves to other musicians all the time there's a competitive environment sometimes but just think about your own standards and how you can progress with those 
I think other ways you can think of supporting your well-being are through, you know, personal growth, thinking what challenges might you want to take and do you have the resources to do that? If not, maybe think about how can you expand your resources? What might you want to do to improve that area of your life? And that's really interesting, that idea of balancing the challenges and the resources, because I know that's a whole nother model again, isn't it? Yeah, that is another model. Yes. I think of that one as a seesaw type of model. So on one hand, you've got the the demands you might face, the challenges, and the other side, you've got the resources. And I think this always needs to be balanced. So if the challenges are too much, then you need to think, how can I increase my resources? Or what can I do that will allow me to cope better? Where can I learn these coping skills? Is there someone I can talk to for support? But equally, if you've got way more resources and you've got challenges, I think that's also frustrating you know, you're not being challenged enough in that situation and that can also impact on your well-being. So what you want is for those to be balanced and for that to equal out, really, so the challenges and the resources are just perfectly in balance. So obviously, you know, you're a member of the Healthy Conservatoire Network and there's a lot being done to support classical musicians with their well-being. And I think there's a lot that we could learn in the pop world from this. Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, your your experience as a member of the Healthy Conservatoire's network and, and what the support is out there at the moment? It's been really informative for me to be involved with this. It's a place where conversations can happen with people who are like-minded, who want to support the well-being of those in the performing arts. And it's nice because it broadens out to other performing artists, not just music, but we've got dance and acting as well that are included. And I've been to some meetings and people have shared their research ideas and practices which are going on in conservatoires as well. So it's really interesting to hear about evidence-based practice that's happening happening and how that can be implemented in different ways. They also have a a framework for well-being and I think that can help to lead the discussion in the areas that we might be interested to look at a bit further in musicians' well-being. But am I right in thinking that every conservatoire now has a department that is sort of specifically there to support the health and well-being of musicians in some shape or form? I think so. I think I've come across something like that in most of the conservatoires I've looked at or contacted. I think it's developing and people are becoming more aware of it. I don't think it's necessarily embedded within the conservatoire practice at the moment. I think that's where we need to get to, that it's just naturally part of what we do. I think that's part of the issue with that is that there are so many teachers at a conservatoire. You know, everyone's got their own one-to-one teacher and that teacher's got their own individual style. So embedding a practice across a conservatoire is a really difficult thing to do. It needs a sort of whole conservatoire approach to that. And it's very difficult to get everybody on board in one approach. Through the research that I do at the RCM, it's amazing to see the, the support that exists for the students now. And having worked at pop music colleges, you know, and in those days there was nothing at all in those colleges. I think there is an interesting model there in the classical world that we can learn from a bit in pop in terms of, the, you know, the framework of support and the different subjects that are looked at, you know, with everything from performance anxiety to physiotherapy to, you know, Alexander technique and all those kind of things. 
Definitely. With my PhD research, I'm actually based in the School of Sport and Health Sciences. So that's been really interesting for me to see the support which is out there for athletes. A lot of my peers are working in sort of the sports perspective and sports psychology, sports coaching, and they're so much further ahead than music. So I think there's a lot we can learn from different aspects of this performance psychology world. And we can just cross barriers and we need to talk to each other and people in different contexts as well. Is there anything you've seen from those sport colleagues that you think could work quite well in music? I think the level of support they have is just mind-blowing sometimes. So within my university, we've been doing mental health first aid, um, just with the first-year students, just to get their literacy of mental health and well-being, just to inform them of what is out there and what challenges they might face. So I think Definitely things to do with like mental health literacy are important in the first place because then people have got the language to talk about it. And I think that's really Im- important to introduce people to that in the beginning. And then there are some like, specific programmes that might be relevant to individual sports that are interesting. One of my peers have been working with like runners specifically and the challenges they face and tailoring a programme to that. So I think we just have to be really mindful of the specific challenges that people face within their own context and how they perceive those challenges as well, because it's different for every field. And finally, what advice would you give to musicians in terms of looking after their well-being? I think it's really important to talk about how you're feeling. Talk to other musicians in your field, talk to people outside of your field, talk to your family and friends. It's just making sure you've got a good support network and that you can activate that network if you need it. Um, It's important to get to know yourself, so get to know what feels right for you, what is a good day for you, what is not a good day, and then to have some little techniques that you might be able to call upon in those moments where you need them. So there are some good online resources, but there are also organisations out there. If you feel like you need a bit more professional help or you want advice, just go and find what's right for you, go and find that advice that you need in the moment. That's brilliant advice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics that have been discussed in today's episode, you'll find links and signposts to all the appropriate services in the podcast description below. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you can get in touch with us on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen in partnership with Help Musicians. Thanks for listening and see you next time.